Hey everyone, Joe here. Do you ever have those topics that you just hope to talk about someday and you're never sure if you're going to get to it? Well, I get to do that and do it on the air with this podcast. Welcome to STEM Pumps. STEM Punks is a bi-monthly podcast intended to bring science, technology, engineering, straight to your ears from our STEM Punk studio. Hang on, we'll take you for a ride that includes a whole lot of fun and a little bit of education on the side. Stay tuned. Nice to be in orbit. Welcome everyone to the STEM Punks Podcast. My name is Joe Garut and I will be your host. And with me as always is my buddy Stembot. Hello Stembot. Hello Joe. Stembot, it's been far too long since we've been on the air and I'm really glad to be back. Oh, me too. I have a bunch of data I want to share about... Wait, wait, wait Stembot. It's not time for that yet. Boop, 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 boop. Today on STEM Punks, we're going to talk about Lego Robotics. Oh, Joe, you know that's not what a robot sounds like these days. Really, Stembot? What does a robot sound like? Seriously? You must mean something like this. Listen to me very carefully. Sabotage Systems Model 101. Trust me. Danger, Will Robinson. Never fear, while Rosie's here. Ta-la-la, ta-la-la. Joe, I never sound like that. I bet you could if you tried real hard. But Joe, those are just voice actors doing those robots. Quiet down, shorty. That is Rosie the Robot from The Jetsons. She debuted in 1962. She doesn't sound very modern at all. You're a feisty little one, but you'll soon learn some respect. Fit him with a restraining bolt. What can you expect from wiring as old as mine? Well, thanks for the chance. Might be <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy, I'm just teasing. We have a great show about Lego robotics, and I'm really excited because I have been a Lego fan my whole life. Without going into too much detail, I made Lego creations of all shapes and sizes. I even remember taking photos of them convinced that I would be able to send them in and have my models end up in a box somewhere on a shelf. That obviously never happened, but... Uh, it's probably a good thing, because here I am getting to do this podcast instead. Yeah, Joe, and then where would I be? Well, you might be a Lego robot. <laughs> but anyway, before we go too far down that path, let me just say, I'm ready for this interview, and I hope you all are too. Stembot, would you cue that up, please? Okie dokie. I've got two guests with me today, and um, would you please both introduce yourselves? Oliver, why don't you start? Uh, my name is Oliver Yu. I'm a 13-year-old student at Wildwood Academy, and I'm on the uh, FLO robotics team, the Snacketeer. All right. And you, sir? All right. My name is Jim Yu, and I am 40 <laughs> years old, and uh, I was an assistant coach for the Snacketeers this year, and Oliver is my son. You lead a robotics club, one of the, one of the teams, right? I'm actually one of the uh, coaches. One so we, we have multiple coaches. So, um, so how many coaches are there? We have five coaches. Is it part of a school function? We do it through Wildwood Academy, which is a small school that started up a couple years ago over in Hood River. 
And uh, it's a school-sanctioned team, but it operates kind of separately. So we use the school's resources, like the room. Uh, they help build the table for us. They support us. They sponsor the team. But the team itself is kind of an independent body. So I think it's like that for most schools. It's kind of like an after-school uh, function. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Now, um, the Gorge Tech Alliance, mm -hmm. uh, they were just they just did a blurb. Jessica Meta wrote a, a thing about the uh, robotics competition that occurred in December. And there were two different dates, right? Mm -hmm. The 7th and the 14th. Can you tell me more about that competition? Oliver, how about you? Well, a lot of the times when they're in the competition, most people think when it's called robotics, obviously, but they phrase it as FLL because there's three parts to each competition. And what's FLL? So FLL stands for First Lego League. So it this program is created by Lego, and it's meant to kind of foster STEM at an early age. So they divide First Lego League into three parts. So they have a project part, they have a robot part, and they have a core values part. So the project part, what they have you do every year is you find some sort of issue with the world. Now, usually they'll give you a kind of topic that you have to stick to. Last year's was space and some of the problems that people have in space travel. And this year's was public, public and community work. So something in your community that you think has an issue to it and how would you solve it? And so they will assign all of the groups this problem and then everybody has to pick an innovative solution to solve whatever they picked. So for example, our group this year, we picked the problem of affordable housing in our community. So the median home price in Hood River is about $400,000. So wow. that's pretty unbelievable. So yeah, you have to come up with a solution. They look for something that's unique, something that hasn't been done yet. Or if it's been done, it's a big innovation on a solution. So they look for that in your project. The, ro the robot part is the part that a lot of people, I'd say people know the most about. You start with a base model of a robot that Lego provides, and then you work on your robot, you add attachments, you add wheels to it, and there's essentially a big game board, you could say. And there are different missions set up on the board, different tasks that give a certain amount of points based on maybe how difficult they are. And you have to take your robot and engineer it, add certain parts to it to be able to complete these tasks. You also have to add a factor of programming, you know, controlling the robot to do these tasks. And they can range in difficulty, be very hard, very easy. Obviously, that strains the amount of points you'll get for either one. Okay, okay. So that that's great, man. That is a lot of information. So let's unpack it just a little bit. Um, I'm I'm really curious about how the housing problem ties in with the robotics thing. I mean, are they directly related in in what your project is? They take the theme of the project and they they put it into the robot game that they do every year. So it will be themed around whatever project problem. It might might yeah. be like, you know, how would you get a robot to stack bricks to build a house? Exactly. Okay. An right. example example of one of the missions would be like having wildlife in a certain area. That was one of the missions. You had to move the animals, which are they make little Lego pieces that you have to build and construct. And so you have to move 
those for an example as a oh, definition. All right, I get it. I get it. And then the other thing I wanted to touch on was you talked about the programming. And is that is that coding? Yeah, coding I'd say is the right term. Uh, Lego, since they're running the entire event, we use their specific they have a program that we use for their robots in EV3 coding language. So it's kind of like a separate thing. It's not exactly like lines of code. It's more of like, if you know, like a snap block line of code, like you can input a certain amount of centimeters and you just snap the lines together and you can create custom custom lines, like a custom block that you can snap onto another one. And so we're coding, um, you know, I'm, of course, I'm drawing back from years and years ago when I used to program in basic and there were statements like if then and and what have you you know from to with this it sounds like it's more visual based when you say snap the line definitely more visual based a lot of the different things instead of having to like type them out and know them they're organized by color so they're kind of sorted through different sections maybe like something to repeat you would go under a certain section or if you could create a custom block like a subroutine you could create one of those and then be under a certain color. Okay, and for those who don't know what a subroutine is, that would be just a command that would say, if I want to, if I know that I want to make a left turn around a corner, it might be forward one, turn left, forward one, and then now I can make that as a routine that every time I want to go up and turn left, then I just insert that in and it does those three steps, right? Exactly, exactly. Right. It saves you a lot of time. Okay, all right, cool. Um for those of you who are out there uh, listening that have children, there's a there's a great hands-on version of this type of, of coding in a game called Robot Turtles, and and I'll put a link in the show notes. Stanbot, would you put a link to that in the show notes for me? Great, thanks, buddy. You know, well, what's also really nice about these little uh, coding blocks is that, um, you know, what they'll find out is that they'll program the robot to go forward 15 ro- 15 wheel rotations and then turn 90 degrees to the left. Well, let's say that the measurements are really a little bit off and they need to go 18 rotations. Instead of having to go in and rewrite the entire line of code, you can just switch out those numbers and it'll do the algorithm will switch it so that that it runs that program all the way across. Makes the change all the way across. Correct. So oh, all wow. you do, you can just change. You can just change the distance or change the number of rotations, and it'll basically correct it for the entire program. If you've put it in the subroutines. Correct. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, let's move on. The third component you were talking about in um, the FLL was what again? Uh, so they call it core values. So, for an example, it's a set of about I'd say six six different aspects of life that they want you to express throughout kind of your career as a team and at the competition. So it'll be something like teamwork, cooperation. I mean, that's, that's, that's right. Cooper, 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 cooperation. Cooperation. Which is a portmanteau. It's a portmanteau of cooperate and competition. So they want to do, it's basically friendly competition where you coordinate and collaborate and not just kind of shove people to the side. A word that comes up a lot is gracious professionalism where it's being a good sport. It's kind of a glorified way of saying being a good sport and being respectful of the other team while still having some friendly competition thrown in there. Gotcha. Gotcha. I like portmanteau. That's, yeah. a, that's a good word. 
do you guys follow a script basically that Lego has created in this or is there a lot of well, input that comes from so let, let's just break it down to brass tacks is that all kids want to play with Legos right all adults want to play with Legos and I think the Legos and the building and doing the missions is kind of like the gateway into FLL first first Lego League um, and then the core values and then your project is is for most kids I think they consider it as kind of like a secondary tertiary thing where they don't want to do those things they just want to build legos and they want it to run up and down the game board and raise flags and throw things around and knock things over um, and that's fun but what we have found out doing this for many years now is that the project or when is the is the time when the judges really get to see them break out of the box and really start thinking ahead and thinking, well, how, how does playing with these little plastic bricks apply to the real world? And how do we do that in a team? Or how do we do, do it in our careers going forward? Because they're learning super valuable skills that I wish I would have learned at their age. You know, cooperating, discovering, doing research, um, putting together presentations, uh, working together as a team. So it's very easy when you've got, like, the kid whose dad does programming, for that kid just to do all the programming. Right, but that's not what teamwork is about. Right. So we found that um, those who were a little bit more adept at doing certain parts, like maybe building the robot or programming the robot, that they became mentors for those younger kids or those who are newer to the program who didn't have those skills. So we did a lot of rotation. Um, no one, no one ever wants to do research and put together presentations. So we had all of them do that as well, and. I mean, you know, on our team, I think a lot of our coaches, since they've gone through the program, are also pretty, are heavy hitters in their own right as professionals, right? So they have a lot of project management skills. They and We had people who, I mean, what they do is they just work in tech. And it would be easy for them to come in as uh, programmers or engineers and just do everything for the kids. But I think one of the hardest parts being a coach is just not getting in the way. You know, I think that was the hard part. That's the part of coaching, which I think was the most difficult, was just letting them do the work, putting them in, setting them in direction, saying, this is what needs to be accomplished. This is your timeline. Um, if you need help, let us know. But you've got to do the work. Right. Yeah. Right. And so how long have you been doing this, Oliver? I've been doing this for about five years. Okay. So and how old are you? Uh, I'm 13 right now. And I'd say... The first three years were probably some of the worst, definitely. <laughs> really? Why is yes. that? Um, well, the team we were on, a lot of the, as previously stated, a lot of the times kids just kind of want to fiddle around and play with Legos. Like they don't have this enormous expectation of there's going to be a lot of responsibility involved in it. They see the word Lego and they just go crazy. They just think it's going to be, I'm going to go build this robot. Right. It's going to be all kinds of right. fun. Exactly. And they are eight years old. Yeah, at that point exactly. right. yeah. and so there's not you're but obviously I take it you weren't that way at that time uh I did still have a little bit of that in me but I say I was more <laughs> focused than a lot of people on my old team okay well push but your having mom, your mom would yell at you too that's true that's good but having <laughs> was the mom, mom was mom the coach mom was yes the coach. she was oh. having done it for five years I mean you've you've got a lot more experience you've got a, more maturity Exactly. Certainly. I mean, do you feel like that that being 13 
and, and being in this has made you more mature and more thoughtful about things differently than you might have if you hadn't been involved in this? I do think it, I definitely do think it has. I think especially Lego pushing the core values aspect of the entire program has really set me to think in standard teamwork situations and other aspects of life. You really have some empathy for the other people and like understanding. So core values has definitely intruded its way into other parts of my life. Your dad didn't just tell you to say that, right? <laughs> no, no, I've, I, I've actually I tuned out for a moment. Um, but, uh, what I will say is that the most, I think the largest contributing factor to their success is because of the um, incredible failures that we had as a team on those early years. I'm so glad you brought that up because that was in our list of things to yeah, talk it about. It is. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it it's was like crash and burn failures where everything was on fire and no one was going to escape. You know, it would be... Now, um, do you mean literally on fire? Do we need to be worried about these No, no, there was no heat involved. Okay, um, all right. Other than emotional. So you just mean that it was some major catastrophe in the way that something wasn't coming together the way you wanted it to. Oh, or absolutely. Needed to. So we had, uh, you know, when my wife was coaching, it was just, it was just like a dumping ground for kids, right? Because you know that's what some of these clubs are. Is like, hey, you just watch the kids for a couple hours, and they're gonna play with Legos, and then we come pick them up. You can give them a snack. Um, but without that parental involvement it's it's hard to control other people's kids so what so what has changed it was you mentioned getting more parent volunteers is that is that what changed it from what it used to be into what it is now which sounds like a more organized and um constructive type of a, a club no how would you answer I'll, think, oliver's got yeah, it good i think it's because the teams in the past uh most of the time we had known each other for a while so there was already kind of like a group dynamic where you would act more like a friend instead of like a valuable teammate and this new team since the school we were going to was on its first year none of us knew each other so we kind of had to build our relationships on being a valued team members of each other so you are saying that that the, in the early you've switched venues now is is maybe the biggest yes. thing i see i see to wildwood academy yes right. And it wasn't like we were here in the gorge before that. You know, we lived in Columbus. And the I think the issue was... Okay, was, so all this stuff happened outside of the gorge. Exactly. Okay, so so for those listeners who are checking this out, none of this happens in Hood River. <laughs> <laughs> Hood River is very uh, is a very unique place to live, and, and uh, it's got some really cool, good vibes that we're, ha- we're happy to be here. I want to get back to a, a question that I had, though, if I, can, if I may. Um, one of the things that um, the Lego System for Learning mentions is the 4C framework. Is that familiar to you guys? Mm-hmm. Um, so here it talks about the four phases are connect, construct, contemplate, and continue. Is that something that you can speak to, or is it different in your club? The four pillars are just kind of always there. They're they're the foundation that we build everything else on. But the work itself is focused on the project, the core values, and then the missions, which mm-hmm. which involves the robot and the building and adding of attachments and making sure that it goes straight and it turns here and then it turns here and not you know. Um, but those all kind of work in tandem. People may want to focus on just doing the missions, which is fine. Um, but we, I think. We felt comfortable enough with our uh, previous experience doing the missions, building the robots, doing the programming, 
that we focused a lot more on the project and the core values because we realized that even though they're all weighted equally, that that the other two kind of fit together. And, and maybe the other one would kind of take care of itself. And when you exactly. say missions, you mean the actual task that you're building the robot to do and having it do it. That's the mission. Correct. Which is, yeah. part, of, which is part of the Lego script. Basically. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, one thing I don't want to forget to ask, Oliver, is um, I'm hearing you get a lot of good things out of uh, the core values and, uh, well, out of all aspects of doing what you're doing. Do you see the things that you're learning doing this Lego club uh, affecting your choices for what you're going to do in your adult life? Oh, definitely. I think a lot of the, as I said, it kind of fosters like early STEM work and a lot of other things in that kind of sense. Absolutely. Like programming, obviously it's a very baseline version of like programming, but it could like spark the flame for other kinds of programming jobs it's definitely a very good gateway into all of these other kind of things i think especially for me too so so how so tell me what, what are you thinking about for your future uh i think a lot of programming like i'm really infatuated with kind of like video games and like different types of software a lot of computer parts so i think this programming i'm taking other programming classes in the summer too so i think FLL kind of jump-started that for me, if I'm so you, being honest. So you'd like to be a programmer, oh, possibly. Yes. Yeah. yes. Cool. Oh, please, please be a programmer. <laughs> <laughs> what other what other programming languages do you know about? Um, Python. Is it C++? Yep. Mm -hmm. yes, that's... But you, you obviously haven't dabbled in that one yet. No. How about Swift? Swift, I've heard a lot of that. Actually, one of our team members parents is a fluent programmer in Swift and they're going to teach a class at the school so I'm going to learn that. I've done a little bit with it and I, I recommend it. Oh, yeah, cool. it's it's yeah. a pretty easy thing to to just jump right in and get started with. And um, it's a it's a low to no cost investment to actually start on it on your own and try some things. You can just immediately see the results on your iPad or on your iPhone as you build it. You can go into the That's workspace cool. and make it and then just transfer it over and try it out and yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, what's the name of your team? Uh, our team name is the Snacketeers. Snacketeers. I was looking to see if you were in this list of all they these. Are, are they the top? Yeah, we are. We uh, I think we ranked. I think we were number one going to state this this it had, season. It had you and the other ones called. Um, oh, the, the Robobs. Yeah, and it just so happened that the Ro the Robobs contains a team member that is Oliver's cousin. Oh, cool. So, hey. Cool. Keeping it in the family. Small, small world, right? So, yeah. So, I see all right, right here, then. Overall, first place champions to your team and the Robops. The Robops. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah. That is wow. super cool. That's pretty awesome. Congratulations. Oh, hey, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Where are the Robops from? Hood River. Robots, Hood River. Hood River. Yeah. Well, you know what? Something I, th I don't think we've touched on yet is what our actual project was. Well, and I was going to ask that. So the, the, this is the, oh, the okay. championship winning project, right? Right. Yeah. This is the yeah. championship winning project. When I was really um, amazed at how it came about. So we looked at uh, homelessness or the lack of affordable housing in the Columbia Gorge area, specifically Hood River. Right. As a team, we uh, went through some trial and error and decided a cohesive solution. We kind of 
threw in different bits and pieces of an idea until we came up with one cohesive one. So our idea ended up being, if anybody knows or seen Ready Player One or Reddit, there's something called the stacks. It's essentially like an apartment complex stacked above different containers that people live in. Our solution was a slightly more organized idea of that. What we would do is it was a modular shipping container housing system. Oh, so, cool. So we would have a frame, a steel frame, and then we would take existing shipping containers and format all the plumbing and electric connections and renovate the inside, insulate it, and then put them on these shelving units to form one cohesive kind of community as such. And there would be an elevator on on the units for access to other units. And oh the one of the perks of our units would be is that the units are transportable. So you, if you wanted to move you could take them out and put them on some kind of moving truck for easy transportation. Oh, because they're they're made in shipping containers anyway. Mm-hmm. So you just right. pick it up, put it on a flatbed and take it to Akron, Ohio. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Naturally okay. durable too, since right. they're made with army grade steel. And then once you get there, you'd stack it back up, create that vertical height again so that you can uh, have a low overall footprint and mm-hmm. get a lot right. of people in. Right. And we yeah, talked right. to a lot of city, um, like a Hood River City Planner, Wasco County Commissioner, Um, We had a a lot of experts come in. I think that's part of the great programming uh, is that we're we're encouraged to invite experts in a certain field to come in and not only give out tips, but kind of evaluate a project as it develops. And one thing that we kind of looked at after we had already gotten it started was that there's a large migrant population lives in Hood River. You know, they come in, they pick fruit, and then they, they go back. We've noticed that those housing those houses don't have plumbing. Um, they also don't, you know, they have very rudimentary like electrical services, and they're just kind of there just to stay. And we kind of took that as kind of a jumping off point, saying, well, you know, that could help with affordable housing, but it could also help with migrant housing as well as people who just come up and want to hang out and go ski. Mm-hmm. You know, it's modular housing that can go sit in an orchard. Um, could also be in the cities. We thought it'd be a good idea for it to be in colleges so that kids who are moving into dorms, they could just take their shipping container from home and then move it into a stack on campus and still have all their comforts. Because because I think though people are doing that now, it, they're, it's all one-offs, right? It's all people who have construction backgrounds, takes a sawzall and starts cutting holes in it, putting windows in. There's no standardization. So their their innovation within that would be to standardize all the fittings and electrical connections on when one end of the container so that once it slides into place in the structure, all you have to, it's very easy just to kind of hook up all your utilities on the back end. And when you say th- their idea, you mean this, the team. The Correct. Team. Yeah, your, Correct. your team's idea. Because our job as coaches and the experts' jobs were, okay, well, this is your idea, but how, do, how are people going to run their dishwashers? Or how are people going to go, you know, wash their hands? Or how are people going to make food? So that's what questions that we had to ask that kind of elicited more thought from them. And, you know, and then... But but as you say, everything's standardized. So even 
taking that shipping container and almost could just plug right into everything because the hookups on both ends. Right. Exactly. Uh, one of our team's favorite analogies is just saying it's kind of like plug and play because you just kind of slide it in there and right. it's functional. So yeah. it's cool. very like the very Lego concept. Yeah. 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 No kidding. It yeah. is a giant and, Lego brick. Yeah. And so then you had to create some sort of Lego project to make that, to do that kind of thing. Yeah. Is that- so, so we took, um, so we, the team took the Legos and they built a structure and then they printed out uh, using Using a we used a three D printer cre- to create uh, small scale models of what the shipping container would hypothetically look like. Whoa, whoa, whoa! So you made a shipping container with your three D printer? Yes. Oh, that is cool. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> More than a one scale, a scaled one, not not a full size. Well, right, 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 right. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. Okay, so you made a mini one. Yes. Yeah. And we built the uh, entire frame that we were talking about out of Lego, so we figured that would maybe be like a hit off with the judges, you know, connecting it all back towards Legos. And yeah. so it would be interchangeable. We made them slide in. We put a little lock on the front so they wouldn't slip out. Obviously it was all not a hundred percent polished. Like it was still kind of rough on the edges. Like it wouldn't be an exact representation, but it was a pretty good one. But it definitely demonstrated your your project. Yes, it one. did the job. And so, then what was the mission? What was the Lego mission? Oh, so we had uh, multiple missions. So there, I think, how many missions were there total? Maybe, maybe 12. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and we ended up successfully completing, what, five or six? I believe I, I believe five was the right number. The, okay. the real struggle with the missions is trying to get as much done. They give you a, a finite amount of time. So that's... Do they give it to you on the day? Or do you? Are you? Or do no. you get it ahead? Of, you have it no, prepared we have it ahead of time. You able? You get a, a replica of the practice board that you can assemble. You have a mat that you lay down, and then you construct the all the exact same missions yourself, so you can practice with your team. I see. And and I've seen some of these where um, there's a combination. Some of it is all automation, and some of it is manual, and some of it's a combination of automated and manual. Was is that the way yours operates, or is that a different level? Yes, that comes into a certain level of the main way missions are done is by atta- adding attachments to the robot. So you'll always have to start with like a motor that you put on there. Like that makes it roll or whatever. Right. Okay. And then obviously you'll have to go in and add programs. So maybe like motor rotations and a maybe lot a of catapult arm or something right, like that. Right. Yeah, a okay. lot of the manual part is. Uh, being able to switch sort of pieces or lock something into place. Alignment is a really big thing because your robot has to be in a very precise position to do a lot of the missions. Like if you're maybe half an inch off, it won't work correctly or right. it maybe won't return to your spot right. so as I th- intended. I think most people think of, uh, of automation nowadays as kind of like flying a drone. Right, where you have a screen and you get to kind of pilot where it goes. So we can't do that. All the all the programming has to be done beforehand. So we have to take all the measurements, program everything in, and then it, the onus is up to the proper programming that we did to get it to go 15 rotations forward, turn 90 degrees, and then go another five rotations, and then turn around and come back home. So um, it's not. I mean, if you can think about it as kind of programming those first lunar missions 
right, where you had limited contact with the rover itself. You just had to tell it to go a certain amount of paces and hope that it didn't fall into a into a crater somewhere. So that's a lot of the the programming of the robot was just making sure that it didn't fall into the crater. <laughs> gotcha. And gotcha. Linking that back to the robot and especially the math part of STEM, while a lot of the math that you use in the robot is I guess simple is a way to put it. Not simple per se, but like basic, like a lot of people have a good understanding of it. It's one of the most crucial parts, especially like angling things right. That's a very crucial part of the robot. Right. And so it may be easy because you're looking at numbers you understand, but the the precise nature of how to utilize those numbers is the key. Exactly. Right. So when we like when we do that to, to kind of build on that is when we're talking about wheel rotations, then they have to deal with circumference and pi. So they're multiplying numbers by pi all the time. Like and apple, a, uh, pecan. <laughs> right. <laughs> a pumpkin. Tis, a pumpkin. Tis okay. the season. All right. Um, pi he, being the, the, the math equation, right? Right. 3.14, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. <laughs> 159. Yeah. No, thanks. Okay. At, least, at least take it out a few decimals, right? Okay. So um, I, I derailed you. Uh, let's go back on to um, the, not only the wheel rotations, but pi. You were telling me about the math involved with with utilizing that. So where were you going with that? So uh, so that that came comes down to using a standard standardized wheel because there's wheels that have different circumferences, and if you do 15 rotations on a wheel that is, uh, you know, four inches around as opposed to three inches around. Exactly, exactly, and then not only that, but but. Then there was also, I remember a few times a conversation between team members about whether they're using, you know, metric measurements or they're, you know, if somebody wants to use inches and like they, we know in America, we're just automatically taught, you know, the imperial system. And then, but to do it properly, then people were talking about, you know, doing metrics. So there's a back and forth. So a lot of real world challenges that they had to deal with. Cause I mean, I do that when I have to like find a socket, you know, to undo a bolt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what did your team land on, Oliver? Were you, did you stick with the imperial system, or did you go to metric? Or uh, we went to metric because we felt it was the most convenient, and a lot of the other teams use metric too. So it's nice to just maybe if you're giving them tips, have a conversation, just like saying, "Oh, this many," you right. know. Well, everything's so much more evenly divisible, right? right? Exactly. And, yeah. and in science, I think the standard is metric. Yeah. Right. Makes sense. Right. So you're gonna go to the to state. You take the whole project the way that you put it together right now and just recreate it over there uh so i'd say usually what we did last year with state is we kind of kept the entire project what we did at the qualifying tournament and we kind of revamped it added some extra features to it maybe flesh something out look at what the judges gave you as feedback and build on top of that right get get six things or seven things right instead of five Right. Yeah. yeah. So I think the the key that we found out is that going to the next step in competition is, if you've got mistakes, we can try to refine them. But I mean, it comes in right at the tail end of of the holidays. It's a big time commitment to be involved in this. So we don't want the kids to burn out before going to state. We just kind of refine our presentation, make sure that the robots running correctly and that everything's all lined up. But we try not to tool. We try not to mess with anything. Well, you know, I, I, one of the things that I'm really appreciating about what I'm hearing is that it has so much more to do with things outside of the robot actually functioning. Mm-hmm. You know that that you do have this. 
problem, real world problem that you're solving outside of the fun aspect. I mean, because like you say, you know, the enter, the gateway into this is I want to go and play with Legos. I want to, I mean, that you're right. As an adult, I want to go do that. I want to be on a team. Give me a task. I right. love Legos, you know. Right. Um, but but at the same time, we're getting beyond that into the humanity of it in this case with the housing uh, mission that you chose. Um, I, I, we didn't touch on the core values part for your particular project, okay. right? That's the third right. aspect of what you had right. to do, right? right. So, the, so every, every team has to deal with the same set of core values. Um, discovery, you know, what they, what they discovered throughout the course. And, and uh, the judges would ask them those questions. Like throughout the course of your team's involvement in the program, can you give me an example of what you discovered? And so this goes to the presentation part that you were talking about refining, exactly. right? Exactly. They basically just want to know how you, your team, you and your team, both both of them, express the core values in what ways and like how did it affect your life outside of robotics. I think that's fantastic. So how did it affect your life outside of robotics? A lot, In a lot of ways, especially talking about the core values so much, I think a lot of the times... It's such a weird thing to say, but when someone mentions the word discovery, that is one of the prime examples of a core value, and they always kind of drill it into our heads. I mean, it's not a bad thing to memor- like think about a lot. Obviously, discovery is like a key part of life in a lot of ways. But when it's such it's so weird, but whenever someone says discovery, I just think of robotics. It's right. such a I think it's Star Trek. Back. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, or cooperation, which I think um, there came to a point where we all kind of loathe the word, <laughs> but it, it makes a whole lot of sense, right? Cooperation and competition. Like they want to foster competition, but in a way that doesn't exclude um, other teams, other members. So there were teams that state last year that just went around and, like passed out candy, you know, or if um, one thing that I was really proud to see the kids do, not totally unprompted by any of the coaches was when we had practice time up at the tables during co- during competition, if they saw that another team was maybe having a difficulty or what we found out that there were certain rules that changed from the previous year, that we just were more than happy to share that information with them and not kind of hold it to ourselves and hope that they fail so that we can win. Um, I think that was drilled into us, and they have um, like roving judges ar- along the floor just making sure that it's all about the spirit of teamwork and cooperation and not just trying to win at all costs, you know. And um, like I said before, it's it's probably easy for a lot of these very successful parents to come in and want to, their kids to be successful in their own right, but kind of take over some of the project and some of the building. So when the kids go in as a team uh, in front of the judges, the coaches for the most part are excluded so that, we we're not there to coach them on their answers, you know. So they'll ask them questions like, "Oh, so you know, can you tell me about how your team worked together, or how there are times where you didn't, guys didn't work together, or how you solved problems?" And I think it would become evident to the judges where the parents kind of had control over the group rather than the kids having control. By the way that they answered. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. That's great. Okay, anything that uh, we didn't get to talk about today that you guys wanted to make sure that you said? Have you uh, have you started your podcast? We haven't. Um, we we've got 
all everything in gear. We're just trying to figure out the format of the podcast. And yeah, just kind of the structure and just kind of taking it bit by bit. What's it, gonna, what's it about? So it's going to be called the Dog and Tiger Podcast uh, because that, that is our Chinese astro- dog. astrological sign. Yes, okay. I'm dog. He's dog, dog and I'm tiger. Dog. And uh, what it's going to be is kind of like a clash of, of uh, generations. So my I'm the older generation, and I'm going to, since I have a culinary background where I'm going to introduce him to new foods every show and see what he thinks of them, uh, thinks of them. And Oliver is going to introduce me to um, things that are happening on YouTube or, you know, video games. Nice. Oh, I like it. like it. So we will make sure and get information about the new Dog and Tiger podcast as soon as it's available. We'll share it on our website. All right. Well, Oliver, Jim, thank you both so much for being on the show today. I really enjoyed visiting with you. And, and um, congratulations on your championship status and good luck in your upcoming competition. Great. Right, thank thank you. you. Thanks for having us. You yeah, bet. Thank you. Yo, I really enjoyed that episode. I don't think being a Lego robot would be a bad thing at all. No, Stembot, I don't think it would be, and I think you'd be great at it. Hey, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. I sure enjoyed uh, having that interview. Thank you again to my guests, Jim and Oliver Yu. And thank you, Michael, for being in the studio with us to do that recording. All right, everyone, that's it for me. I hope you have a wonderful new year, whatever year you're listening to this podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the STEM Punks Podcast. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Cottywomple Creative. What's a Cottywomple? It's a purposeful journey towards a vague destination. You can see their work at C-O-D-D-I-W-O-M-P-L-E creative.com. I'd also like to thank our patrons on Patreon. And today's episode has original music by Duncan Crummel. You can learn more about him at duncancrummel.com. And as always, you can find more about Stempunks at stempunks.com. Now that we've got all the dot-coms in there, I guess that's it for today. Thanks for listening. Links in the show notes. Because you're an engineer? No, absolutely not. Um, I was in sales for many years, and uh, I was just working your typical job, you know, uh, driving my car, doing sales meetings, having phone calls, conference calls, and I just felt like one day I'm going to die in my car, some kind of coronary event. I can completely relate. Yeah, and I was like, life is too short especially with my dad passing away a couple years ago which was kind of the onus because he was always a dreamer and i kind of see those same characteristics in myself where the next big thing was kind of down the road but never kind of got the gumption to go grab it so after he passed i was like well i don't want to be that person who's always trying to grab the golden ring but never getting on the merry-go-round so i just said forget it 
you know, I mean, we both, my wife and I both quit our jobs that we were doing very well in, and um, we decided to make a move out west. And originally we had thought about going to California, but I, if we moved there, I would definitely die in my car because I'd be in my car for the majority of the day. That's um, true. That's true with and, traffic like it is. Right. And then um, we headed up north, and then once we arrived here, which is where my brother-in-law had lived for the past few years, I could just breathe. You know, it was just kind of like an epiphany. Uh, a moment where I was like, hey, I think we found the place. Right on. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that speaking uh, from somebody who's had the opportunity to work with you in many different ways, uh, artistically and otherwise, I would say that the Gorge is definitely lucky to have you here. I don't want to go without saying that. So, Jim, what, what do you do when you're not coaching? Uh, when I'm not coaching, I'm thinking about not coaching. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> when I'm not coaching, uh, I am a chef and a consultant at a lo- at one of the local uh, restaurants that just opened up recently. And, um, Name? Um, oh, it's Grateful Vineyard up in Parkdale. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. I was just up there. Yeah, got great pizza. Good great people. pizza. Good people, great pizza, right. wonderful location. Yeah, I definitely recommend love getting the, out there to Grateful the Vineyard. outside area. Yeah, it's really nice. It's uh, And that's new as well, so they just opened in May, and uh, the business has been going gang- gangbusters.